0: Hello and welcome to the podcast, I'm Ashley. and I'm Gracie, and this is a podcast called The Feminist Critique, where we review movies, and uh, after we talk about them for a little bit and uh, make some jokes, we put them to both feminist and inclusive tests, and then we ask the most important question of them all, is it good?
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of a Debbie Downer. You know, we we did the Hate You Give, which was a very good movie, but very sad. And then we did the Thirteenth, which was a documentary that was very informative, but also very depressing and anger-inducing. So we're going to do eighties month.
0: Grace, I'm sorry to tell you, but guess what? Racism is just plain depressing to think about.
1: But it's an important topic. So we're going to a time when there were no black people, at least in film. Oh, I'm not talking about last week. (laughs) Oh, God. Listen, the fact that I can still make a joke like that and it still makes sense sucks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, so the, the... too real, Gracie. Too real? Too real. Too too real. real.
1: Okay, how about a fucking, the fucking fact that the movie that won Best Picture is a white savior movie? And the guy that wrote the fucking thing was like, oh, I didn't even know that Mr. Shirley's family was still around.
0: I'm sorry, what?
1: Yeah. Green Book won Best Picture. The people who created that film, okay, Green Book, which is a book, which is a movie about a white guy who teaches a black man how to be black in the South while also traveling around to the, you know, the spaces that are safest for him. It's it's a white savior movie, first of all. Second of all, the people that were in charge of creating that film didn't even contact the black man they're doing a book, a movie about. Did not contact his family. Did not. Really? Really. There was even a deleted scene where the white guy was going to show the black guy how to eat fried chicken. Thank God they cut that out. But yeah, that movie won Best Picture. This is like the worst Best Picture since fucking Crash. But white people in Hollywood are going to pat themselves on the back and say, Good job. Yeah, race problems.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I got I got a lot of feelings.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, since Crash and then what there was driving Miss Daisy and, uh, see what, did that win Best Picture? I'm not actually sure.
1: <sighs> it's bad. It's just it's bad. Roma should have won. It was much better, and it was filmed by a person of color. You know, which it, one? Roma. Alphonse Caron's movie. Oh, okay. It got best, um it got best foreign film, but it didn't get best picture, which is a pity.
0: See, as somebody who <laughs> does not actually watch movies, apparently. <laughs> I just don't give a fuck. No, honestly, I do not give a fuck about the Oscars anymore. I'm at that point where I just feel that they're very irrelevant. It's just rich people uh, parading around in, you know, Kind of okay dresses, I guess, and uh, you know, making a few jokes, laughing, and you know, presenting awards.
1: Yeah, the only most
0: of the time, and most of the time, those movies that win Best Picture, the only reason why they win Best Picture is because money is thrown to it. It's not actually because it's the best picture. It's just because the studio backing it uh, was able to pay the most money.
1: Yeah. Sorry. To be fair, though. Aside from the best picture debacle, Spike Lee won an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay for his uh, his screenplay, Black Klansman, which was amazing. Uh, the first uh, black woman to win costume design, Ruth B, Ruthie Carter won for Black Panther, and the production designer, who was also a black woman, won for Black Panther as well, but I can't remember her name. But, so, yeah, there was at least some great representation. I, I think I would have had a fucking ride if Bohemian Rhapsody would have won, though, for Best Picture. <laughs> like, I'm uh, surprised
0: it didn't, actually. Because, like, every, everybody I knew was like, oh, the movie's so good. I didn't watch it. Cause it's dumb fuck, because, but. you
1: know, bisexual erasure and all that shit. Is that actually what happened? I don't know. I didn't watch it because of the critiquing. Well, they leave so much out of Freddie Mercury's life, and then they market it as a Freddie Mercury biopic, when really it's a queen biopic. Yeah. Like, it's the whole band. But when you market something as a Freddie Mercury biopic, and then leave out the most vital part of his existence... Like, uh, whatever. We're way off tangent, and I'm just gonna apologize. You guys came here to listen to us talk about a movie, Okay, well, it's 80s week, or it's 80s month, and we're doing Labyrinth.
0: Okay, just give me a sec, because somebody just walked into my room, because she's a little bitch.
1: That must be your cat. Yeah,
0: she, she legit just, like, got into my room, just said. <laughs> Come on, baby, get out. Are you getting in or out? out. Oh my god, I hate you. <laughs>
1: We're going to keep this in, right? Oh, of course, of course, because nothing says professional, like a cat screaming in the background. (laughs) (laughs) But no, in all seriousness, you know, I'm done with my Oscars rant, but in all seriousness, we've we've done a lot of heavy hitting episodes where we've had to focus on things that are kind of kind of bad. So, instead of focusing on racism, we're gonna focus on hebephilia. Cause, you know... <laughs> Holy fuck, Gracie. Gracie's got the jokes today. Just, get, just getting
0: into the fun old topics, aren't we? <laughs> on that...
1: Labyrinth. Yeah, Labyrinth. Yep. You know, that movie with David Bowie and his dick. <laughs>
0: I mean, this movie was, like, a lot of people's sexual, sexual awakening.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say, the first time I remember being physically attracted to a person, it was King Jareth. So, yeah, like, I was seven or eight years old, I guess. I don't know. All I knew was he was, like, one of my first, like, crushes. Even though yeah. he's pretty fucking awful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's some problematic shit in this movie. But, there's,
1: you know. there's more than a little. <laughs> hey. But
0: hey, that's uh, that's what we do here. We talk about problematic shit. Um, okay, so let's get into those stats.
1: Yeah, let's get into the stats. All right, so um, came out in 1986, had a Rotten Tomato score of 69% critical, 89% audience, had a budget of $25 million, box office of 14 million it was only in theaters like three or four weeks but it has developed um a cult following uh basically when it was released on vcr tape way back in the day it kind of developed a cult following from there and you know like that's how i remember watching it is you know getting up from the video store that thing that used to exist
0: well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, a lot of movies uh, ended up getting, like, the cult following out of uh, VHS uh, sales, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could also say Dark Crystal, for example. Even Rocky Horror Picture Show garnered more uh, more of a following after it was released onto VCR tape and stuff. And so, you know, it, it didn't do great, but it... It has developed into a niche where, you know, a lot of people have seen it. And even if they don't like it, they appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. uh, It was directed by Jim Henson. He's known for his work with Muppets and, uh, of course, The Dark Crystal. This is the last film he ever actually directed. Uh, It was written by Dennis Lee, who worked on Fraggle Rock. And also written by Jim Henson. Uh, the major cast: um, David Bowie. We plays forgot that the screenplay was by
0: Terry Jones of Monty Python fame,
1: right? And it was yep. produced by George Lucas. Yes, that George Lucas.
0: Well, that, that's you know when he wasn't
1: uh, doing um, when he wasn't
0: destroying Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Star mean, War- when he wasn't doing Indiana Jones. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess that would have been around the wrong <laughs> time. But you know, I the Dark Crystal skull one was good, right? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Anyways, hey, uh, what's that other movie that he did that was like actually pretty friggin' good? It had Warwick D- Davis in it. I don't know. Willow.
1: Yeah. Oh, you, you know that was, that on, was awesome. The, that was actually on the other day. Doesn't that have Val Kilmer in it? Yeah. God, I haven't seen that movie since I was little, little, little. Okay, I know I've, like, gone off on a tangent, but I really now want to watch Willow. (laughs) Um. After, after. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Connelly plays Sarah. Uh, We've discussed her before, and he's just not that into you. She was also in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio called Blood Diamond. And she's not just, and he's just not that into you. She played the woman that ended up getting the divorce from the Bradley Cooper dude.
0: Yeah, she was also in uh, uh, that biopic, um, A Beautiful Mind. I don't know. Did, oh, and she won. She actually won the uh, Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for that. What is it with Oscar
1: movies and assholes? Huh. Well, I mean, she's okay. Like she. She good. Did you, just, did you just call her an asshole? No. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going off on tangent again. The Oscars are over. Okay. Uh, David Shaughnessy plays Sardinimus, which is the, like, fox puppet. Um, and he mostly did stuff with TV. Uh, I thought TV. it was a dog. Is it a dog? Okay. I don't know. Um, he mostly did TV, like Young and the Restless. And then Brian Henson, who is Jim Henson's brother. Plays uh, Hoggle, uh-huh. and uh, he's known m- oh, for his okay, Muppet yeah. films. So, yeah, let's start talking about the movie. And the movie opens up exactly as I was as a 15-year-old girl. This is not a joke. I love to play dress-up even as a 15-year-old. So, Sarah is a big okay, nerd. Okay, I, I will...
0: Okay, I, I there is one thing I have to say about this movie and how it, like, portrays her as, you know, like, having all these toys and all this stuff, right? And they, they make it, like, a bad thing, and it's like, bitch, I'm still 30 and I'm doing this shit.
1: <laughs> like... Fifteen-year-old uh, me used to pretend to be Sleeping Beauty when I fell asleep. I'm a big fucking fairy tale nerd, right? So it's really easy for me to, to identify with Sarah. Because Sarah is me. I love the nerdy you, shit. Do, I,
0: do you still do that? Do you still do the Sleeping Beauty thing?
1: Yes. <laughs> Listen... It's fun. Hello, now? I I mean, okay, so, like, I have my nieces who are eight and four, and I love when they want to play dress-up and do dumb shit like that. That's, like, the highlight of my babysitting. I, like, grab a sheet, I wrap it around me, I pretend to be a queen, it's fucking gold. I don't care that I'm almost 30. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, it's... Oh my god, Gracie's dying on us. Um... No, but, like, you know, if I'm going to be honest, uh, who am I to talk? Because I dress up in drag, <laughs>
1: so... Well, I mean, like, it's just like, you know, my friend and I still make jokes about how we wish it were fashionably acceptable to walk around in, like, 19th century day gowns with corsets and shit. I mean, you never grow out of that phase if you grew up in that phase.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that.
1: And there's nothing wrong oh. with it, you know. I love the
0: fashion of, like, yesteryear and stuff, right? Uh, do not like the politics or how people treated each other, but, you know. Uh, cute dress! <laughs> that,
1: cute fucking outfits and corsets and all. I'm about that shit, but not God, the other let, shit. Let a man look as handsome as Colin Firth does getting out of a pool wearing those white <laughs> drapey shirts. Oh man, that is that Girl. is a dream. <laughs> we get it. You like fucking Mister Darcy. I know, cause I'm a basic ass bitch. Honestly,
0: a little part of me uh, wishes we could do that whole area, like the whole thing. But you yeah, know, there's just so not enough time
1: long. for us to go over a six-hour mini series. <laughs> Speaking of which, we
0: need to get back on track. We are really bad today, so. Okay go. so
1: so Sarah does her whole little thing in the park and then it starts raining and she's running home.
0: Well, well she's saying it to a barn owl, right? Like at first. Mm-hmm. Because like the owl is, you know, flying around or whatever and it was like this weird CGI owl, so it's like 1980s um, CGI. It, yeah, which I mean pretty fucking good for 1980s like holy shit no i think that's where all the budget of this movie went into apparently like, <laughs> like cgi owl um but yeah so then she talks to the owl and she's like oh i keep forgetting this one part takes out her book and then her dog comes up and she's like uh, it starts raining and she's like
1: oh no i have to go and babysit but i'm late oh no and then she gets home and like You know, her stepmother's like, yeah, the muddy dog can't come in the house. I get it. Yeah. Like. But still, rude. Sarah, Sarah's like, I can't do anything right. It's not fair. I have things to do. And the stepmother's like, well, baby, if you would just let me know before. Like, you just assume I never do anything. Like, she's the fucking worst. (laughs)
0: well like back then though when like I remember watching this and being like I'm on Sarah's side but now I'm just like Sarah you need to calm the fuck down okay like we get it you want to like do whatever but you gotta watch your brother like all you have to do is feed him and like pat his back and put him to bed like
1: not not that fucking hard seriously he's a year and a half old honey just give him a bottle or give him some food like they've already fed him Give him some snacks, cut off the light, and let him go to bed. Just ignore him. He'll cry himself out.
0: Yeah, exactly. But, no, she, uh, you can see that she's, you know, has a lot of toys that, you know, she's grown out of. But she still has, you know, all this shit, right? And then uh, she notices that um, one of her treasured teddy bears is missing.
1: And for some reason. a lot. Yeah, and for some yeah. reason it's in the middle of the fucking room in her parents' room.
0: Uh yeah, you know,
1: a baby grabbed that. Yeah. She certainly I'm gonna blames say,
0: the baby. She blames the baby, but I mean, we know who actually did <coughs> that. It was her stepmother, Irene, who's a total
1: fucking bitch. Right the fucking worst. <laughs> actually we don't know enough about we don't know enough about her. Um so oh, anyway, she's like only in this movie for like a second. one line, and her yeah. her one line is she always treats me like the evil stepmother. That's, that's it. There's there there she is. Yep. Um. But yeah. So Sarah goes in there and she picks it up and then she sees uh, Toby and she throws a real big bitch fit about how he's a whiny bit crying baby because you know that's what babies do. And so she starts making up this rhyme about, you know, Goblin King, Goblin King. Yeah. You know, take take him away, far away from me. And there and then you see the puppets that are like, What? That's not the right rhyme. All she has to do is say, I wish the come the Goblin King would come take my baby brother away right now. Yeah. That's it. So so those like are the magic that- words.
0: Yeah, you fucked up, Sarah, okay? If you're gonna get, like, get the Goblin King to take your brother away, do it right. And so she does. Yeah. And then she's all fucking shocked. I could- I'm sorry, I'd be pretty fucking shocked, too, if David Bowie was suddenly in my parents' room, (laughs) trying to steal my baby brother. Like, just saying, a little bit shocking right now.
1: Yeah, it's basically David Bowie and his codpiece. <laughs> yeah, and, like, holy shit. <laughs> like, his that makeup his dick... is on point. Yeah, but his dick is right there. Shit. I'm not fucking kidding you guys. Like, I, I wonder if Jim Henson was under that thing to direct it like he was some <laughs> of the other puppets. Like, it's just there. <laughs> Oh my fucking god, Gracie!
0: (laughs) Well, like, I guess that was actually intentional, was like... Because, you know, everybody asked the question, like, Hey, was this dick supposed to be showing so much? And yes, apparently it was.
1: So, this is a children's movie. A children's movie! But there is a lot of prominent dick. I'm just saying. Yes. There is a lot of bulge in those gray pants. Like... Did they not, you know, maybe
0: put some underwear underneath that? Like, I I get it that his outfit is supposed to be, like, olden and stuff, and people didn't wear uh, underwear. Like, I'm pretty sure that Goblin Kings don't wear underwear, but (laughs) David Bowie could have.
1: I mean, the new Cinderella movie that came out with Richard Madden in it, he had to wear two fucking cod pieces just so they wouldn't be able to see his dick outlined in those white pants. All I'm saying is, you should have took one for the team, David. It was a family film. A family <laughs> film. It's a
0: family film, God But that, it.
1: Again, that holds no bearing on the fact that one of the first scenes we get when she has this 13 hours to find her baby brother is a fucking goblin peeing and then killing pixies. <laughs>
0: Which are basically little children.
1: Like, the, the people
0: who were playing the pixies were like little kids. It's kind of fucked up. Yep. This is a children's movie.
1: Children's movie. Uh, but yeah, so Jareth gives her 13 hours, um, you know, to rescue her baby brother. And she her has baby to. Yeah,
0: so she has to go through the labyrinth, which is this um,
1: very, very
0: big maze.
1: Yes, thank you for mansplaining that for us. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't, I, I needed to
0: explain it for the kids out there that <laughs> don't understand the word labyrinth.
1: Nice. Um, yep. <laughs> so, of course, you know, like, she meets Hoggle. Hoggle is, a. Uh, Pissing? Cr- this crotchety old troll goblin hobgoblin hobgoblin whatever you know and he he's like i'm not gonna help you through the maze you're gonna have to do it yourself and sarah's like fine i will because i'm smart even though i'm only 15 i know everything i'm a strong independent
0: woman i don't need no man bye Hazel.
1: see you it's basically well, she did ask for his help,
0: and he was like, I'm not gonna fucking help you. Bye. Yeah,
1: and she's like, well, fine. Fuck you, then. Uh, so Sarah as starts, you do. As you do. So Sarah starts walking down, and she's like, I can't find my way. And she's like, like, there's literally a five-minute sequence of her walking up and down, trying to find a way further into the labyrinth.
0: Yeah, and but then, then she, um, she gives up yeah. because,
1: you know, it's not fair.
0: Yeah, so then that's when we meet the uh, the little worm guy, who is fucking adorable. Um, but yeah, he's like, he was like, oh, yeah, it's like right across the way. And uh, and she's like, um, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, just there. You got to come in, have some tea with uh, me and the missus. Yeah. It's actually quite adorable. He is.
1: I want one. He's cute. Yeah. Like, he's he's so ugly, he's cute, that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she, like, you know, she listens to him, and then she realizes, oh, look, there's a gap in the wall. I had no idea. Thanks, worm. Bye. And then, you know, she runs off, and we get kind of a cut scene of uh, she finds this other place, and she starts, like, putting lipstick markers, and every time she does, the little people that live under the ground are like, you bitch, you wrote on my roof.
0: Yeah, and then they turn it around so it's not seen, right?
1: Yeah, and or well. they t- change the direction of it. Mm-hmm. And it keeps changing, and it's not fair! Yeah. But sure. the best part <laughs> of the whole fucking movie happens early on, and that is the dance magic dance scene. Yes. I love this scene so much. I think... This movie was just a vehicle for David Bowie. Mo- David Bowie songs. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, like the guy, whoever
0: did the music, right,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, was probably just like, I get to work with David Bowie. Yes, gonna put so much songs in there.
1: Yeah, like so. dance magic dance. What's going on in the song has nothing at all to do with the plot. This song does not advance the plot at all. It is not like a musical. It's literally just a chance for David Bowie to sing.
0: Well, I mean, he is a famous singer, so... Yeah. But, I love
1: it. Put that baby spell on me. I quit. Um, so, yeah. Sarah, uh, you know, gets to the two doors, where one's always lying and one's always telling the truth. Yeah. And then she thinks she figures it out. Because she's Uh, so smart. Yeah, I'm just
0: wondering, did we skip over a part?
1: Mm Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Nope, Um, that's literally it. Oh, okay, well, yeah, um... you'll You'll find that this movie does not have a lot of plot. Yeah, well, she, like,
0: you know, argues with the door for a while, Right.
1: Um, yeah. But see, the thing is, is, like, at the very beginning, Hoggle had told her that the way to get out of the maze was to ask the right questions. She's uh-huh. not asking the right questions.
0: Well, yeah, because, like, I mean, there was one part where, um, like, when she's talking to the worm, the, the worm accidentally sends her in the wrong direction.
1: yeah. She's like Yeah, he's if you'd have gone to the left, you'd have, you know, you have went right to the goblin castle.
0: Yeah, so she's like, you know, completely lost, right? And then she uh, she does end up in a an an oubliette. Oubliette?
1: Yeah, after the helping hands. Oh,
0: no, no, so, yeah, she goes down the way into the helping hands, and,
1: like, which that was a pretty cool session, or, like, yeah. But it freaked me the fuck out as a kid. Really? Yeah, I didn't like them, because they were all gray-looking. Oh. She said
0: down. Going (laughs) down. Yeah, and then she, like, drops down into this... Oubliette. Yep. I honestly don't even know what that word means. It I... means, oh, it's an underground prison or dungeon.
1: Uh-huh. And the but... only way out or in is a hole in the, in the, in the, in the, in the roof. But, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's so dumb that she was like, yeah, like, drop me down. Like, bitch, you go up, you know there's a pathway. Why would you purposefully want to go into a pit?
0: Well, that's where I go every week when I go down into my pit of despair.
1: (laughs) Ha ha. Very funny. (laughs) So, so of course, Hoggle is down there, and he, you know, helps her out, only for Jareth to confront the both of them. And Jareth's like, are you helping him, Hogwarts? No, of course not. I was just leading her back to the beginning.
0: Yeah. And Sarah like, By the way, it's actually Hoggle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, but they call they keep calling him Hogwart and Hob Hobnob and all these dumbass names. Poor Hoggle.
0: No wonder he hates everybody.
1: Yeah, right. Well, you know, Jareth, you know, Jareth looks at Sarah, he's like, How are you enjoying my labyrinth? And he does it in a very sexy way. And she goes, oh, like, It's a piece of cake. And he's like, Oh yeah? Well, then I'm going to cut your time in half. And she's like, it's not fair. Like, bitch,
0: don't answer these sort of questions. <laughs> like, don't answer these questions. Right? Well, yeah, also, mm, Jareth, she's 15 years old. Calm down on the sexual tension.
1: Yeah, like, he has the super fucking hots for her. Well, like, I mean, there's
0: always this... The, like there's a fan theory about like Jareth the character,
1: but I'll get into it later. Oh, cool. Maybe probably has something yeah. to do with the uh, the stuff in her room at the beginning. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Anyways, um. So <clears throat> yeah, then, then uh, uh, he, he's like, "Oh, well, let's make things more challenging and creates this machine that has like knives and shit." Oh, yeah,
0: and they start, like, going and running, uh, like, running, and then, um, sorry, I'm, like, having a hard time trying to
1: remember which
0: part it started. This is Um, the part where they
1: end up, um, with that old man with the bird on his head. Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, the, um, what was his name? The wise man. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, he gives some bullshit advice, and, uh, you know, Sarah gives him his ring, gives him her ring as payment, even though he didn't do shit, and she takes Hoggle's jewels, but that's all well and good, because, you know, Hoggle's like, well, I've done my job, I've helped you as far as I can, and so she's off on her own again, and that's when she meets Buddha, which is this big old beast with huge horns that's being hung upside down and uh tortured.
0: Yeah, and so she ends up um throwing some rocks that suddenly appear to at the like whoever's torturing uh Ludo. Yeah, Ludo. And then and then uh she like does that a few times and they go off like running and uh she goes and helps uh, Ludo and uh, like brings him down, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And then they're together, you know, until Ludo falls through a hole. Yeah.
0: I, and by the way, like Jared um, keeps, uh, this is the thing I kept uh, like I forgot to say, but he keeps threatening Hoggle with the bog of, of eternal stench,
1: right? Yeah. You put one toe in there, you're going to smell like shit for the rest of your life. I mean, I
0: smell like shit already, so...
1: Wow. (laughs) But yeah, so Jareth also uh, presents Hoggle with a peach and says to give it to Sarah as a gift. You know? Otherwise, he's going to be, like, in the land of of, stench. Yeah,
0: Jareth, kind of creepy. I mean, a drugged peach, like... Why, why not just peach snops? Like, you know, all pedophiles. <laughs> like,
1: oh, holy wow. shit.
0: Well, um, what's the right word? It's not whatever. pedophiles, because that's like under... It's called something else.
1: hebe which is a person yeah. that is sexually attracted or sexually preys on teenagers. Which is fucked up. So, a little yeah, bit. Jareth. Hmm. Jesus. Jareth. Jareth, you're, uh, your David Bowie is showing... <laughs> was that was that again a little too real? A little too real, yeah. Um, okay. So, Hoggle, yeah. Uh, Hoggle shows up after Sarah has this really weird, awful green screen thing with dancing puppets that have heads that decapitate. Oh, yeah. Those things. It was a completely useless scene.
0: Well, they were cute characters, so...
1: Cool. But yeah, you know, Hoggle helps her out, and then they, uh, you know, she's like, oh, I could kiss you! And when she does, the wall opens up, and they nearly fall into the bog of stench because she dared to kiss him. And Jareth is a jealous bitch. And Jareth's like, the fuck? Gross. It's- she's supposed to be into me. I'm hot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, so that sends them uh, towards the bog of, of eternal eternal stench as punishment, and they almost fall in, but they don't. No. Um, but and, they do reunite with Ludo.
1: Right, right. And uh, after they reunite with Ludo, Ludo is able to call up the rocks um, for them to cross the bog because at first there's this like really long drawn out scene that's not even that funny with Sir Didymus. Which is the fox on the dog or the dog on the dog? Fuck if I know.
0: Oh, he yeah, he apparently is
1: an actual fox,
0: Um, and his steed, uh, Ambrosia, is um, the sheepdog. Old English, yeah, an old English sheepdog. Which the most hilarious thing I found about this is like when you first see uh, Ambrosia you see, like, like a real dog. Like, but then it's, they it's actual...
1: switched him out for puppets.
0: Yeah, because apparently, you could tell that probably what happened was the dog wasn't, like, you know, acting well, so they made a
1: puppet. <laughs> Whatever works. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's kind of drawn out. It's not really that funny. And, uh, you know, after they get across the bog of stench, Hoggle ends up giving her the peach, and uh she takes a bite and then she has like a snow white moment where she forgets everything. Yeah. And we get this really cool dream sequence set to another David Bowie song called As the World Falls Down?
0: Oh, so it wasn't date rape. That's a very good <laughs> question. Dude, like I mean it was mm it was there's a lot
1: of dubious out. shit in here. Yeah. Which, you shit. know, I haven't I haven't watched this movie. I'm going to be honest. I have not watched this movie in close to a decade. And this movie holds very fond memories. Very nostalgic. Very much part of my childhood growing up. I used to watch the shit out of this movie. Watching it now, I'm like, holy fuck. Ooh, yeah. I did not so enjoy it. So she falls into a trance, begins
0: to lose her memories, and then she has this dream sequence uh, where Jareth comes to her at a, you know, masquerade, masquerade ball. And she, okay, by the way, that fucking dress and her hair and stuff, she looks fucking amazing. Except she's only
1: 15 and not 20.
0: Yeah, so there's that. But um, he proclaims his love for her. Uh, but then she begins to remember and escapes.
1: Yeah. She's like, and, Something's not right here. But then when she wakes yeah, up because she David can't.
0: Bowie is, you know, trying to seduce me, so obviously this is not real life. <laughs> a little too real. Um, so yeah, then she ends up in a junkyard which is where everybody ends up after a bad night out after um Fucking date rape, I
1: guess. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. Th- those are not landing well. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> no. I got the jokes this tonight. Yeah, you're the funnier one. Um, <laughs> so, I'm just kidding. <coughs> I'm also dying. Uh, so, Sarah, you know, she, like, meanders around, and then she finds a- this, like, old... Uh, old lady goblin and you know the old lady takes her into this room and it looks exactly like sarah's bedroom and there's you know a doll there's books there's you know all of these stuffed animals and she's like oh this isn't junk this isn't junk this you know belongs to you and as she's giving her all these things sarah begins to remember and then she's like this is all fake junk Well, because the
0: way the old junk lady is starting to do is, like, brainwash her, and then all of these things that she's, like, giving her, she starts piling them up on her back, almost like the junk lady, right? Yeah, almost like uh,
1: Bond bondage, or, not bondage, like, it's bearing down on her.
0: Because what Sarah actually needs to do is she needs to Marie Kondo her... Fucking room,
1: ain't no lie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She needs to pick something up and say, "Does this spark, Does joy? spark joy?
0: No, I do. Throw it away. That's what I do with all of my boyfriends.
1: <laughs> That's why I have none. No man sparks joy. Not true. No man. <laughs> men are trash. Oh no." <laughs>
0: Facebook just banned me.
1: Oh, um, no. Oh, no. What are we ever going to do?
0: Meh. Anyways. <laughs> I'm, of course, kidding. Some men are awesome people. They are not some all Some men trash.
1: are recyclable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they have some use. Fuck. <clears throat>
1: Jesus Christ, Gracie, go get some water. I have some. It's just I haven't talked in three days, and I'm still battling an upper respiratory infection. Well. But anyway. Stop coughing coughing
0: into the mic.
1: Fine. Anyway, Sarah manages to remember, and so she, uh, by looking into the book called Labyrinth, where she reads the last part, and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be battling the Goblin King.
0: Yeah, and she's also rescued by Ludo and uh, Didym- Didymus or whatever. Didymus. Yeah. Um, and they are right outside of the Goblin City near Jareth's
1: castle.
0: so, and so they
1: must get in. And, mm-hmm. then, and then there's this, again, very long, drawn out, not very funny, like, battle scene. I think the best thing about this movie is how well the puppets are used. But that's just a credit to, to um to Jim Henson,
0: and and yeah, and the the puppeteers that work under, yeah. for like the Jim Henson organization. Like,
1: <clears throat> that's the big draw for me watching this film. It wasn't necessarily the story or the acting, but how fucking great the world was and how immersive it was, and how you couldn't even tell like a lot of those uh a lot of those puppets like Hoggle. Hoggle was um you know animatronic mixed with puppet. Yeah, you know, and a real person, and it just works, you know. Well, exactly. Um.
0: So yeah, they are confronted by uh, a gate guard, um, <laughs> but Hoggle uh, bravely comes to the rescue, despite you know feeling unworthy of forgiveness for his betrayal because you know he gave Sarah the peach.
1: Right. Right. Yep. Um, And
0: they all enter the city together.
1: They do. And they manage to get, you know, into the palace. And then we have that really cool scene with the uh, never-ending staircase. Yeah, because,
0: like, Jareth is alerted um, of their presence, and he sends, like, the goblin army to stop them, right? Mm -hmm. And then they go into, like, that house thing, and, like... Um, Ludo howls and summons the mountains like a mountain's worth of rocks because that's what he can do. He can summon rocks are his friend.
1: Um, and yeah. that's
0: when they enter the castle and uh, but she tells them she's like, hey I have to go and face him alone uh, and promises to call the others if you know uh, if she needs them which yeah um, which I'm gonna have to say, Sarah, don't do that. He's into you. Okay. That's a very, you, you need to have your friends with you at all times.
1: Yeah. But, uh, she, uh, she didn't do that. No, 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 no. Uh, no. So she goes in, we have that really cool, you know, staircase thing. Cause every time she'd like use the stairs to go to her brother, her brother would be on another part of the stairs. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you've got Jareth who's kind of just chasing her around and shit. And then they finally confront one another. And he's like, I did all this for you. I love you. And then she's, you know, like, starts reciting from the book. And she remembers the words. You have no power over me.
0: Well, yeah, because, like, he's saying, like, you know, you need to fear me, love me, obey me. And, like, he'll love her and give her everything that she wants. And then, you know, she says, like, she says those words and you're
1: like, yes, bitch, fucking work. Because it does. It breaks the spell and breaks his hold on her. And then she comes to and it was all a dream.
0: Yep. She is returned home with Toby and uh, Jareth turns back into a barn owl and he is seen uh, flying away. And, uh, you know, she realizes that Toby is important to her, and she gives him Lance a lot, returns to her room, and she hears that, you know, her father and stepmother come in. Um, But then she sees her friends in the mirror, and then she realizes that even though she is growing up, she still needs them in her life every now and again. And that's when they have a whole dance party. And that's the end of the movie. Which, uh, yeah, and as they're celebrating, Jareth is in his owl form, watching from outside before flying off into the night. Because he's a fucking so. creep. <laughs> Jareth,
1: hottie, but creepy. Yeah, so, um, some trivia. How about that? Boy, we're yeah. already there. It's doing good. Um, <clears throat> The movie is loosely based on Outside Over There, which is a children's book written and illustrated by Maurice Sendak, who is most famously known for Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, okay. (coughs) Jesus Christ, Gracie. I turn away from the mic. It doesn't help.
0: Nope.
1: Okay, so... Um, yeah, oh. so that book uh, follows the story of young Ida, who must enter a fantastical world, described as outside over there, to find her baby sister, who's been spirited away by goblins. Oh, okay. Very similar. Cool. Um, you know, without
0: there being a creepy dude.
1: Yeah. Might have been a better movie, actually. Um, so producer George Lucas
0: chose not to do any interviews during the release of this film, uh, so not to steal Jim Hansen's Thunder, who was at the time one of
1: his best friends until his death. Yep. Uh, now here's some, here's some interesting stuff. So this when this movie came out, um, Helena Bonham Carter, Jane Krakowski. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Yasmin Bleeth, Mary Stuart Masterson, Laura Dern, uh, Carrie Green, Ali Sheedy, Marissa Tomei, all of them had auditioned for the role of Sarah. Really? Jane Krakowski, I think most people know her uh, from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, and of course, Ali Sheedy, people know mostly from Breakfast Club. You know, uh, but they were both really highly considered for the role before Jennifer uh, Connolly got it. So,
0: yeah, because Jane uh, Kruskowski, she was in um, like National Lampoon's something uh, vacation or yeah. whatever. She
1: played one of the cousins or whatever. God, it's, um, just, it's amazing that she's been in uh, show business that long. Well,
0: I mean, her name didn't really, like, this would have, you know, if she would have got this part, she would have been a household name, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, she, um, she didn't become one until, like, much, much later on. Um, <coughs> with, I know. With Dirty Rock. Holy shit, Gracie. I'm I know. To I'm gonna have to edit
1: the coughs out. I'm sorry. God. Uh, um. So, next one. Utah. Yeah, okay. The
0: 13-hour margin has a symbolic meaning and was not an arbitrary number chose randomly. Sarah made her wish around midnight. This is the most powerful time when demons, goblins, and other Malevolent. malevolent creatures can cross their dimensions and enter the earthly realm. Moreover, according to folklore, there is a time rift between midnight and 1 o'clock a.m., which is the uh, known as the 13th hour. In order for this time, convention uh, to be activated, something jarring, horrible must happen, like Sarah's wish. In the film, this element is altered with the 13th hour lasting for 13 hours. Uh, 13 hours and not just 60 minutes. This is why the magical clock has 13 numbers on it. Um, Although it is never spelled out directly in the film, the individuals who enter the earthly uh, dimension from the outer planes, or uh, vice versa, um, manage to enter the time fissure. uh, Although time flies at the 13th hour, uh, it does not advance in human in the human world and the novelization confirms that when Sarah's parents return home, little time has gone by in the house and it's just past midnight. Although Sarah spends hours in the goblin dimension, it is inferred less than an hour in the human world. Nice. That was a long piece of... <laughs> No wonder you were like, yeah, read this
1: part because I don't want to do it. <laughs> that would have, I would have died. Um, so, my favorite and last piece of trivia that I have is that the original script had Sarah punching the fucking shit out of Jareth and then he shrunk down into this ugly, small, sniveling goblin. That's what should have happened. It would have been hilarious. Yeah. It would've um, been it would have been like the eye melting of the movie. But oh, you can't little do world, world. But you can't do that to David Bowie. No, no. He must he must be six foot tall at all times. Yep. So And unnaturally handsome. I mean Yeah. I will like, say, David Bowie, <laughs> for all of his history has always been a very sexy androgynous person. So. Yeah. And I've actually heard people say that um if they were to ever do a biopic, they want Tilda Swinton to play him. And I can see that. Tilda Swinton has again that androgynous look. So.
0: Oh, okay. Um apparently Jared's magic <coughs> dance Jesus. Refers to the Cary Grant and Shirley Temple movie, one of Gracie's favorites. The
1: Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. I meant to say this earlier. That's where I knew the rhyme from. The uh, the you remind me of the Babe, the Babe with the power, the power of voodoo. Yeah, I love that movie. And that when I heard that for the first time, watching that movie is after I had watched Labyrinth. It's one of my yeah. favorite movies. Love it. Yeah,
0: so that's, yeah. So I just saw that, and I was like, oh, Gracie really likes that movie. Um, also, I want to mention about the kid that, well, he's not a kid anymore. He's, like, 35 now. But um, the person who played the baby, uh, Toby, was uh, actually the son of... Uh, of the, like, conceptual designs that Brian Fromm, and, uh, yeah, so he got his kid, you know, to play the baby, and, uh, he actually went on to do the exact same thing as his father, and now he works, like, with puppets, and, uh, some of his credits, credits include, um, uh, shoot, uh, the one that was uh, nominated for an Oscar, uh, Kobu in the Kobu um, and the Two Strings? Yeah, that was, like, one of them. And then there was, like, something else uh, that had, like, puppets, and he's worked on that. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool when I was, like, looking up uh, some stuff. Um, so do we want to kind of mention, you know, before we get into the tests, uh, or do we want to talk about David Bowie afterwards?
1: Uh, we can talk about David Bowie now. Yeah. Um, The thing about this movie is that you know David Bowie is the star. The issue is, is the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies for rock stars of that era is very dubious. Dubious, yeah. Um, there when we when Ashlyn and I were looking up stuff, we were um you know kind of surprised to learn that uh, there were several women who said they were 13, 14 years old, having sex with David Bowie, losing their virginity to David Bowie. Uh, yeah, well, there's, there's one,
0: um, she was known as a child groupie, that uh, she first met David Bowie when she was 14, and she didn't have sex uh, with him until she was 15, but she lost her virginity to him. And um
1: that's really fucking
0: not It ain't cool. good.
1: It ain't good.
0: when uh, so you know
1: sorry, go on. Well, I mean in David Bowie's like entire history, the reason there might be, you know, this thing where there's an oversexualization of him is he was a very oversexed individual. Like he yeah. he had he was um he was very open about his bisexuality. <clears throat> He'd sleep with anybody, man or woman. Um, his his first marriages were like just strings of extramarital affairs with men and women. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then like he didn't, uh, and very rampant drug use and alcohol use. Like he really did live up to that rock star kind of image until he, uh, met and married Iman. Yeah. And, you know, got off the coke. (laughs) So. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of, you know, issues, right? Especially because, you know, now we talk about, um, for example, R. Kelly, who is, you know, (laughs) Done some pretty fucking awful things the last 20 years. And, uh, like, I. I <sighs> and it's people, hard to, well,
1: well, people are going to use the, it was a different time. Yeah. And, yes, it was a different time. But that does not excuse the fact that he was sleeping with girls he should have never touched. And it's problematic as fuck, and it's okay to say, Hey, his music was good. Hey, you know his um. His uh his movies like, like this were part of my childhood. But it's also okay to say that what he did was not right in any sh- way, shape, or form. Yeah. There's no excuse for it. I don't care if it was 50 years ago. It's still he shouldn't have done it. Yeah, so. and and that's
0: something you know because there there is a i mean we all love his music right he, like a lot of his stuff was very influential to my teen years right but he still did some pretty fucking awful things
1: yeah when i when i um made that transition from the kind of music i'd always listened to as a kid and started my <coughs> sorry started listening to music outside of traditional country, uh, you know, and started really looking at rock and roll and stuff like that, like, David Bowie, Queen, all of these artists from the 60s, 70s, and 80s were huge in creating, like, my love of music overall. I mean, one of my favorite songs is Under Pressure, which is a Bowie Queen song. And it's just, you know, it's okay to realize that a lot of artists are problematic as fuck. Gracie, that Under Pressure song, is that the one
0: where Queen and David Bowie stole the melody from um, Vanilla Ice?
1: My favorite thing about that is, like, when he's saying the difference in the tune. If you guys have never seen that interview, Vanilla Ice does this interview where, you know, he's talking about how he's being sued for stealing the riff from Under Pressure. Yeah. And he says that they go dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and we go dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And it's like, motherfucker. <laughs> it's like, bitches the same thing. Uh, but yeah, my point is, is with the history being the way it is, it is completely okay to love an artist's work, but understand the problems of the artists themselves. Yeah. It's the same as you can enjoy watching the Cosby show while also knowing that Bill Cosby is a rapist. You know. Yeah. As long as they're not profiting off of it anymore, go for it. Well, exactly.
0: I mean, that one of my favorite. Um, one of my favorite animes ever. Uh, not to get too fucking nerdy, but I'm gonna, um, is Ruining Kenshin. I fucking love Ruining Kenshin. But guess what? The guy who made it is a fucking pedophile. Yeah. He. Like he was he was caught with child porn or like teenage teenagers the slightly different word, but yeah, he was caught with that. Um I will never buy Runing Henshin again, but I can still enjoy it.
1: Exactly. But fuck um, that guy. Right, exactly. And fuck David Bowie for fucking thirteen year olds. Yeah. So Exactly. There you go. That's how we're gonna end this. Uh, Now, tests. Uh, Our first test is going to be the Bechdel test. Two named female characters on screen alone talking about something other than a a man. I guess technically it's a pass (coughs) because uh, she's alone with her stepmother for, you know, two seconds.
0: Um, I do have to say this because and I know you're going to fucking hate me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. So the lady who played who played her stepmother, the Canadian. she's Canadian. Yeah. So uh <laughs> her name is Shelley, oh my god, Gracie, I'm going to kill you. Um she was Uh, Her name is Shelly Thompson, and she's a Canadian actress. And she is best known, not for The Labyrinth, but actually for playing Barbara Leahy on the hit Canadian mockumentary program, Trailer Park Boys.
1: Woo! So, yep. Alrighty. I did it. (laughs) Uh, The next... (laughs) The next thing is Rachel Bechdel, two people of color on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. There are new people of color in this
0: movie.
1: <clears throat> <coughs> I'm really dying here. Oh my god. Uh, then we have the... Uh, what's next? I didn't write them down this time because I'm an idiot. Oh, uh, the Macko test. Do we have a person, a woman, whose story is about... Uh, not pushing a male narrative forward. I would say this is a path. I would say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Sarah's character it's development. Her, yeah. It's her journey. And growing up. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's her journey into growing up, right? It,
1: yeah, it's essentially uh, a metaphor for puberty. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the Goblin King is her menstrual cycle, <laughs> taking away her innocence. <laughs> Oh my fucking god, Gracie. You're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grief. I'm oh out god, of my water. Stop. Okay, um... Then we have the Duvernay test, which is uh the test that a person of color has a story arc that's not based on pushing a white narrative forward. This is a fail, there's no... Nothing but white people in this movie. Yeah. Um And I mean, then... You
0: know, essentially, there's there's five people in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Earth.
1: Yeah. And then we have uh, the sexy lamp test, which is... Can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp and it not take away the plot? You can get rid of the stepmother. And her name is, like, yeah. Irene, so... She's named. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I think that's it. <laughs> Oh, Vito Russo. Are there people in this film that identify as LGBTQA plus? Uh, Do they matter to the plot? Does their sexuality offer more than just, you know, being a stereotype? Even though David Bowie himself was bisexual, he does not represent as bisexual in the film, so it's a fail. yeah.
0: I mean, if they redid this movie, made it less creepy, and, like, had it as, like, a teenage boy, it would still be fucking creepy.
1: <laughs> it would. But you know what? This trope is, like, super fucking popular, though.
0: Oh, yeah. I well, mean, even... Okay, like. So, the the thing I was going to talk about, the, like, um, what's the, the... The theory, right, is... That Jareth, the Goblin King, keeps falling in love with uh, human girls named Sarah, and uh, each one of them hasn't like gone through the labyrinth. And it was only, um, it was only this Sarah who like actually went through the labyrinth, and uh, he keeps you know like taking either their uh, like their baby um, brother away from them, and that's why there's all those goblins there that he's become the king of, because he turns each one into a king, or sorry, into a goblin.
1: Hmm, I like that. It also kind of reminds me of this book I read called The Hollow Kingdom by Claire Dinkle, which is about a goblin king who steals this young woman from a mortal realm and forces her into a marriage. yeah. That's a very common trope. Well, you have to think, like, all those
0: vampire movies are essentially this, too. Like, and we think that <laughs> not to shit on Twilight because, like, everybody fucking loves that stuff and we made fun of it for 10 fucking years, right? But, um. Essentially the same thing. Exactly, like the idea of you know vampires who, because like Edward's like what over
1: a hundred years old or like a hundred, right? And he's want um, and he's wanting to be with a sixteen-year-old.
0: Yeah, so some predatory I mean, ass
1: the, behavior.
0: Yeah, so there there is all of these you know things where, um, you know vampires or werewolves or, or like whatever sexy out you know out of this world being thing. A good chunk
1: of the time, they're a lot older, and like I get it, I write this shit all the time because well, I'm a I fucking mean, monster. I mean, I have a I have a favorite author, and her name is Sarah J. Moss. and she has two big series, and in both book series, the main female lead is 19 years old, and ends up with a multi hundred year old fae male, like it's. Obviously,
0: obviously, it's okay if they're of age. If they're 18 and older, it doesn't matter how old the other, you know, being is because it's true love.
1: Obviously. I mean, I love those books. They're really well written. I highly recommend her. But it does fall along that trope of, you know, a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old madly in love with a man that's... Looks to be in his mid-twenties and is several hundred years older than she is. It's okay, because he's, he looks like he's twenty, right? Exactly. <laughs> and he has but tattoos, it's... and tattoos are sexy.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't mind tattoos on a guy, but
1: if you have a fucking neck tattoo, kid, I don't know. Ah oh, man, one of the kids, one of the guys in that book in those books has a face tattoo, but like, I don't give a shit. No, get away from me. Okay. I... Well, all, right, all right, all right, all right. We're going to quit now. Um so overall, is this movie feminist? No. I don't mm, think so. Yeah. Not particularly. Is, is this movie good? I'm going to be honest. I didn't like it as much as I did as a kid. And I was kind of sad about it. I mean, you
0: could take about 20 minutes out of this movie and it would still be okay. Yeah. I I thought it was a little bit long.
1: I did too. I thought that. I was like, God, this movie is almost two hours long. It doesn't need to be. Because not a lot happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For, well, I think it's just to bring all these, like, different, you know, characters and ideas into it. Like, yeah. I mean, because that's what... Th- this movie is essentially, like, uh, mythical shit, the movie.
1: You're right. But, uh, but, yeah, so, I i don't know. wasn't it as enjoyable an experience as I, th- I remember it being. Uh... <clears throat> Next week, we're going to be doing, what are we doing next week? The Princess Bride. The Princess Bride, which is kind of in the same vein. It's a fantasy movie. Uh, So, we'll see if it holds up. It's a... This is one that I actually watch on the regular. I love I love Princess Bride, but...
0: Also, hopefully Gracie isn't dying and coughing every five seconds. Listen,
1: I can't help that I've had an upper respiratory infection for two weeks. Take some fucking medicine, God. I did. It didn't work. Um, but mm. anyway, so next week we'll be doing Princess Bride. So, we love you guys. Um, our, oh, yeah. Uh, our links... <laughs> Facebook.com slash the feminist critique podcast. Uh, Gmail, the Feminist Critique Podcast at gmail.com. I'm a Twitter at South of Grace.
0: And uh, also our Twitter is now Feminist Pod instead of the other one. So that is Feminist Pod. Over there on Twitter, check us out. We are awesome. We're also on Tumblr as the Feminist Critique Podcast. But we don't and update it. No, <laughs> I'm really bad at that. I've been, I've been busy. Okay, I've been tired. I have <laughs> lupus. I have fucking lupus. Okay, but you know what? If you're gonna like shit on me for not updating the fucking Tumblr, you know what? Well, you can go to hell. I have goddamn lupus. Anyways, um, also I'm on both uh, Instagram and Twitter as Aislenes, A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S, and I am also, uh, my drag uh, Instagram is Aurora Borealis, and that is uh, A-S-S at the end rather than I-S. Um, so you should go and check that out. Also, give us money over on Patreon, because that would be fun. Oh, and tell your friends about the podcast. Make sure you tell your friends and be like, oh, man, I listened to this really shitty podcast, but they're hilarious. Exactly. So please, exactly. The worst fucking sound quality ever. But, man, they're kind of funny, I guess. Not that Angeline yeah. chick. She's the fucking worst. And Gracie, <laughs>
1: she's kind of boring. Don't listen to them. Actually listen to them. Or maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. That joke went went on longer than my childhood. that's because your childhood died a long time ago Uh, anyway (laughs) Uh, love you guys we'll see you next week have a good one bye bye